Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I'm your host for today, Whit Lopez, and I'm super excited to be sitting here with a very, very talented multidisciplinary artist, Daryl Ann Gain Makala. Daryl is a visual artist who hails originally from the Boston Cambridge area in Massachusetts and has been in Philly for a little bit over a year. I'm really excited. Her work is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking, and I hope that you get to see it sometime soon, too. Uh, so welcome to the show, Daryl. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Hi, everybody out there in, um, in um, podcast land. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So I've, I've seen your work online. I've seen it on your Facebook page, uh, which is also named after you, right, Dow Aaron McGay McCalla's uh, artist page. And I've seen murals on there mm -hmm. from you, very, very impactful murals uh, about the community. And I've also seen really beautiful ceramic work, yeah. play work. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you call it? Ceramic, ceramic sculpture. Okay, yep. no, it's, it's really beautiful. So Thank the, you. Some of the first ones that I saw mm -hmm. were... A piece called Sankofa Bench 1 yep. and Sankofa Bench 2. Yes. And they're absolutely breathtaking. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired those pieces? Yeah, well, um, for a lot... So, um, I really think it's really important to have work in public space. Um, you know, when we see the white man on a horse that we've seen a million times or like the kind of weird, abstract, corporate art. Um, it gives us a sense of who the world is for, who's important, whose history is important, whose accomplishments, if we want to call them that, are important. Um, and a lot of times, women are really lacking from public space. Um, so when we see these white men on horse statues um, or this kind of gentrified graffiti that's used to <laughs> used by developers to displace the same people who created the original graffiti and create all types of great culture Definitely. Um, it, it, it gives us a message that some people are valuable and some people aren't. Um, and that's the space we're walking in every day. Um, and even if people don't really stop and look at it and analyze it and all of that, it has an impact. Um, and even the way, even the way the sculpture is positioned, like with these white men on horses, they're always way above us looking down on us, you know, telling wow. us wow. not only are we, you know, even if, you're, even if you're a white man who's not on a horse, it tells you you're not important, you know, because you can't even look eye to eye with a sculpture. Wow. You know, you're a human being walking around, um, and this hunk of metal is placed above you. Um, so for a long time, I really wanted to do public sculpture. I've done murals. Um, the first community mural I did was um, with El Puente um, Academy for Peace and Justice in Brooklyn in 1999. And um, around that, like I had just left college, um, not graduating, unfortunately. 
at that time. And, um, and for the, like, during college, I kind of moved away from ceramics, which was, had been, like, my main art form before that, and I was moving towards two-dimensional art. And um, with doing the mural and then having opportunities once I had moved back to Boston to get grants for murals, um, that's what I continued to do. And I really loved it because um, it was a way to do art in public and connect with people and, you know, work with other people, whereas... When I've done sculpture, I've mostly worked by myself, which can end up being isolating, even though I like it to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to be by myself, but after a while, you know, it gets slowly. I you know, know the feeling. I know that exact feeling. <laughs> um, so, so, so for a long time, I really wanted to incorporate those two things to be able to do work in public and and bring these. Um, stories that have been censored, that have been left out, to bring them into a public space. Um, and I was doing that with murals for a while in Boston. Um, but I'm really a sculptor and I really love sculpture. And also doing murals, I don't know, was just taking a toll on me in different ways. and. Um, So, so th those benches are my hope. They're models for what I hope would be life-size benches that people could sit on and interact with um, in a garden, in a park, something like that. Um, and so I've wanted to do it for so long and then kind of have tried to get those opportunities but haven't. Um, because to do it, I would really need funding and support because um, even just doing those small sculptures was a lot. Um, and so since I didn't get these opportunities that I wanted, I just said, okay, I'll just do a small one. It can be, it can be a piece of artwork that can stand on its own or it can, be, it can show people what I would do if, um, if I did have that type of opportunity to do. Um, a, a large sculpture like that. Well, I think they're both really, really beautiful. Thank you. And it shows the amount of skill that you have and the amount of time and energy and education that you've put into that work. Mm -hmm. So thank you for creating those. And I'm also really grateful that you used um, the Sankofa symbol on these pieces mm -hmm. as well, and not just one version of the symbol, but you use both of the versions that I know of. Yeah. On there, you've used the bird who's yep. looking back towards the egg mm -hmm. on its back, mm -hmm. and you've also used a symbol that's a heart shape. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you out there who don't know what Sankofa is, it's a symbol from Ghana, from the Ashanti kingdom, the Ashanti people, and it's an Adinkra symbol that uh, that means that has a specific meaning. And there's ver there's a lot of Adinkra symbols that have a lot of different meanings. And this particular one, Sankofa, means to look backwards or to acknowledge what came before you, to remember who came before you and all the things that came before you. So by using this kind of symbol, you're also kind of acknowledging a legacy that you come from. You're acknowledging your own history, heritage, and possibly a global black heritage. Yeah. So what, what led you to using Sankofa as a symbol? I don't even know, but I just know that it was something I was thinking about a lot. Um, I was just thinking about that symbol a lot. Um, 
I find a lot of inspiration in black women sculptors of the past. Um, mm. I've been thinking a lot about Meta Warwick Fuller and Augusta Savage, and there's a show of Augusta Savage's work in New York that I can't wait to go to. I don't know how I haven't got there yet because it's been up for almost two months. But um, but I don't know. I feel like I struggle a lot as a sculptor, but to know that um, you know Augusta Savage and Meta Warwick Fuller and, and and Monia Lewis and you know many other women artists who we know and who we don't know. We're doing this a hundred years ago. Absolutely. You know, it's like, Absolutely. wow, like, okay, if they did it, I can do it. You know, why not? Um, so, um, and Sankofa, um, like, it, it can mean different things. Like, it definitely means to look, look back at your past and learn from it, like you said. But I think what literally it means is you can go back and fetch it or like if there's something oh, you definitely. lost in your past, Absolutely. you can still go back to it. Absolutely. Um, and for me actually in doing ceramics, so they're ceramic and um, ceramic sculpture, like I was saying before, like I did murals and stuff, but ceramic sculpture is what I really love and it's what's really close to my heart. And um, so in doing that, I was actually going back, I hadn't done ceramics for a while and um, when I started doing those, I was going back to it in a way that I haven't. Like, I have gone back to it and made, like, you know, one small sculpture here, one small sculpture there. Or in teaching, I've, I've gone back and taught it. But um, I was really going back to an art form that I, in doing those benches, I was going back to an art form that I really love. Mm -hmm. um, so it was also that for me, you know. With, you know, I, I love drawing and painting, but ceramic sculpture is really, really, really what I love. So, um... I was going back to something that I was going back and fetching and <laughs> looking back and also looking back like, you know, when I was doing ceramic sculpture, um, my mother actually signed me up for classes with it when I was 12 and even way before that, like when I was six, five, six, I just remember really longing to make dolls out of clay. Um, so I think I was also going back and I hope I can really continue to do this. like. Going back to a time when I was really creating art because I love to create art because I think, unfortunately, something that happens when you become, you know, quote-unquote professional artist is you're not doing it for the love of the process in the same way. Um, the stakes are a lot higher. You know, maybe you're doing it for the commission or for the acknowledgement of someone else. Um, but I really hope I continue to go back to what I was doing when I was 12, which was, you know, manipulating clay and just really loving that and finding a sense of power in that and, and doing something that I really love to do and um, that wasn't such high pressure as um, it, it is now if I'm doing this and, you know, doing it with the hope that I can get a commission or a grant to do this type of thing in a public place. Um, so hopefully I'm going back and fetching that, you know, what I initially got out of doing ceramics as a child, yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think it's so beautiful that you chose to use Sankofa as a way to go back and fetch something from your own personal mm -hmm. history, especially surrounding your art practice. That's yeah. So, that's so moving. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. That's really beautiful. So you mentioned your art practice as a child mm -hmm. and how you enjoyed ceramics even then. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about what got you first into the arts? and where, you know, where art kind of started in your life? 
I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, children in general draw, you know, it's something that is normal for them in a way that as we grow up, it's not, you know, it, it becomes the practice of a specialized few. Um, so I guess I'm just one of those lucky and cursed people who never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you were so funny. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I decided I wanted to be an artist when I was 12, and my mother was really supportive of that, although at one point, I have her letter, she had written her sister saying, Daryl's going through a crafty phase, <laughs> like, it's my <laughs> life, you know, like, anyway, um, my mother signed me up for classes, and um, I would make kind of whimsical things, like a, a a box that was a turtle and the, the bat came off and like that's amazing <laughs> like a hole in where its nose where I never did it but it was supposed to have like a carrot that it was chasing Aww, that's cute. yeah a lot of whimsical <laughs> things and like I was really into Egyptian art so I do kind of sphinxes and um like urns with eagle heads and mm. a lot of stuff was pretty whimsical and kind of funny um, and, um, I don't know, it was just something I, I really liked to do and, um, that my mom supported me with and, um, I just kept doing it and, um, you know, improved as I did that and, um, there was a girl who bullied me in school. We had some ceramics in school and, um, she would call me ugly, and once she called one of my sculptures ugly, and it's like, okay, I, I don't think that's right, you know, like, yeah. um, or it doesn't matter, you know, like, Absolutely. it doesn't matter, um, because I am happy with it, so if you think it's ugly, you know, that's your loss. Exactly. Always. Always. Well, I'm really glad that that girl's opinion, that unnecessary opinion that yeah. no one asked for, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that it didn't stop you. Mm -hmm. uh, your work is really amazing. So I'm glad to see how far it's come, even in the midst of like haters early on yeah. in your in your practice. Mm -hmm. So uh, getting back into like the murals, mm -hmm. uh, have you done any lately or? I've helped out with works? some here, um, but it's more like assisting someone else's vision. Um, and I, 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 I love to do it and I hope to continue to do it. Um, but I don't know, I think muralism is on a weird path that, um, is not honoring the roots of the community mural movement. I hear you. I like hear it's you. it's street art and it's like for the internet and it's how fast can you do it and how big can you do it. And the community mural movement was about a community's vision and a lot of it doesn't seem, it seems to be about one individual's vision or you know, a lot of it, it's like, it's slick and it looks really impressive and it's really big and it's amazing how quickly it's done, but 
the imagery is like, I don't know, it's like candy, you know? It's like, it's slick, it's fancy, it's... But a lot of it, like, it really doesn't have much meaning. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I once strongly saw myself as a muralist. I don't so much now. Um, it's something that's really important, but it's, it's like, I don't know, probably with the, with the rise of social media, like a mural at one point was really for the community and maybe no one else would see it except the people who pass by it on a day-to-day -day basis. That's true. And so now that it's almost like the photo to go on Instagram or wherever is more important than the mural itself. Um, and the audience is the, um, is the people who will see it on Instagram or whatever, rather than the people who live with it on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I don't know, some of them look like ads and... I don't know, it's just not as much with the roots of the community mural movement of um, of an artist who's really based in a community and now there's this thing where it's like, you know, these artists travel around and go to different places and people are taking selfies in front of it, like, you know, I was there, you know what I mean, or I'm so hot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, like that's what, that's what it's for, it's a backdrop for people to take selfies and be narcissists. And see, say I was there. You know what I mean? Like, so the the mural doesn't. The, the community is like a canvas rather than a community. You know, it's a canvas that people just go somewhere, paint it, leave. Wow. And there's also all these ones that are done by many people, but it's just said that it's done by one person. Mm. And it's like, how does that make the artist who's struggling to 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 do art feel when it's like? Wow. If they don't know that it's really done by many people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually, honestly, that's something that I've had an issue with, um, is how often the lead artists on any project, it doesn't matter what it is, um, their name is there and the people who they're with are not. Yeah. And so I, that's something that I take issue with mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hear you on that. And I, I do hope that as a community, like regardless of whether we're doing a mural or whether we're, you know, on stage at the Kimmel Center or something, wherever it is that, that we change that, yeah. that we change that part of the narrative because every single person who's a part of that deserves to be in it and not a footnote mm -hmm. or not something that people don't or not even a footnote because yeah. sometimes that happens too right where somebody's like oh I I did that entire thing but no one knows because my name's not on it the person who designed it their name is on it yeah so I, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up and I hope that as a community as like the entire arts community globally yeah. can change that yeah definitely it's important to name everybody. Mm -hmm. It's really important to name everybody. Mm -hmm. So thank you yeah. for bringing that up. I and one thing that. that's cool about the community mural movement is that you could be an assistant on a mural. I mean, I guess this happens with, you know, I don't even know what, I mean, I'll just call it like gentrified murals and gentrified graffiti, what is really happening now, you know, but um, 
So with, with the mural that I did in, with El Puente in 1999, I went to see it with a friend of mine, and she was like, what did you do? And I'm like, I did all of it. Which I didn't do all of it, you know, like lots of people worked on it, but like a lot of, like, I could be like, well, that part's my idea, or that part I did the base color on, you know, that part I did the, um, I, it was someone else's idea, but I changed it, you know. Um, and after doing that, you know, the person, um, Joe Matunas, who was the lead muralist for that project, um, you know, and, and some other people were supportive of me in going on to be a lead muralist. So I was an assistant muralist, and then I was supported in being a lead muralist. And I don't know with this kind of gentrified graffiti, gentrified murals, if if that's really happening, or if if you're an assistant, you're just stuck forever being an assistant. and you know, would be unsupported if you were trying to break out of that role. Because, you know, why? If, if you're the lead artist and you're getting all the credit for these murals that you might be just designing or might be touching up, like, why would you want to have your assistant, you know, now be your competitor? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but but... But that is, I'm, I'm glad you say that, this, you know, this thing of artists supporting each other, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about you, that, you know, you've had opportunities to do stuff, and you've included many other artists in it, you know, and it can be so beautiful and, like, can be, you know, like, a renaissance when artists aren't just looking out for themselves, they're including other people. Um, and so, you know, just, just you know, you having me on this podcast and you including me in the QT Noir Festival and a few other things, you know, when you had the William Way Center come. You know, we don't know each other well, but you've included me in a lot of things. So I really appreciate Thank that. You. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't see my face right now, but there are tears in my eyes. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind of you, uh, Daryl and I appreciate it. Um, so getting, getting back to your work, <laughs> getting back to your work. Um, so you have a piece that I saw recently mm -hmm. on Facebook that, uh, is also a sculpted piece mm -hmm. and that I think is absolutely brilliant and tells a very important story. Mm -hmm. It tells several very important stories that are very impactful to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, and this piece is called at the moment flower pot, yes. <laughs> uh, but it tells so many things and it's, and the shapes that are on it are important. They're very, very important. Can you tell us a little bit more about Flower Pot, what the idea was behind it, where you see it going? Um, okay, so this is the most recent thing I've done. Um, I'm still kind of cleaning up from it. Um, it's a flower pot, and um, it has um, imagery that goes around it. So it, it starts with there's a woman lying down, and there's bars on top of her and a dollar sign on top of, you know, the bars turn into a dollar sign. Um, the, you know, how there's two lines in a dollar sign. Those lines then turn into bars and, you know, there's hands. So there's someone incarcerated on top of her and there's a man in a business suit with a gavel in one hand and money in the other standing on top of her. And then um, as you move around the flower pot a little bit, she's rising up and the bars are falling off. 
And then um, she's fighting, so she's fighting this guy um, who was standing on top of her, and then she's standing victorious. Um, and uh, there's also a wall next to her, and like the, the bricks are underneath her now. And um, it's actually the second time I've done it. I did it in 2004, and actually before that, I had just done a sketch for an organization I was part of that was of um, a woman rising up and... Um, you know, these things on her back, a system, a government, uh, a prison, are falling off. Um, so, and there's a little crack in it. I haven't, I, I might put it in of, um, like a flower. You know when you're walking down the street and you see a, a flower or a piece of grass or something sticking out of the concrete? And we're living in this system that is so entrenched and seem so impenetrable maybe, or so um, powerful. Um, but I guess part of what this piece is saying is like that, you know, all of that system's power is based on us and our disenfranchisement. And, um, you know, plants grow and slowly, rise up um Absolutely. and you know just like a just like a small plant not even a tree which trees do that too they 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 rip up the concrete around them or the bricks around them but small plants break concrete so i guess just the system that we're i don't know that i'm so overwhelmed by and so depressed by um yeah. isn't the be-all and end-all and isn't, um, isn't written in stone or isn't, you know, how life has to be or how life is always going to be. Um, so that's, that's what it is. It's about, um, you know, it's obviously simplified. We can't just get up and, you know, everything crumbles, but, um, but, you know, if I mean, if if a blade of grass or a tiny tiny plant can can rip up concrete, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Then you know, this this horrible system we're living in can also crumble and break, and um, we can have something new that is livable and where you know life could be great you know there's really so much potential um if we weren't trapped the way we are and exploited the way we are um, yeah it's so true it's really really true and i appreciate that your artwork captures those things captures the fight against incarceration, the fight against capitalism mm -hmm. uh, that impacts so many folks who are living in marginalized positions, mm -hmm. so many folks who are oppressed under systemic violence. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for creating work that speaks to that and speaks against it too. Yeah. It's really, really powerful and is absolutely beautiful. 
Um, and also, thank you for being here on our Thank Art you Club for Radio, having me. <laughs> sharing all your amazing thoughts about life, about the community, about community work, and about your work, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm really, really looking forward to everything that you're producing. I'm looking forward to when you get that funding, because I know it's going to happen, <laughs> and that these benches, you know, go from being model size mm-hmm. to being life size, mm-hmm. because they are amazing, and the world really needs to see them. Thank you. So I'm super grateful for that. Thank you for coming to the show, Daryl Ann. Thank you so much for having me, Wit. <laughs> this has been amazing. Thank you. And many thanks to everyone out there who's listening. Thank you to 40th Street Air for allowing us to use the space to record this podcast today. Uh, if you're listening to this and if you want to hear it more, you can listen to it on Art Blog's website or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. So we look forward to hearing more from y'all out there in Art Blog Radio Land. Uh, thanks again to everyone listening and thank you again to Daryl and, and y'all have a great day. Bye, y'all. <laughs>